This is Marco, and you are listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Welcome to episode 225 of The Yellow Pots. I'm Stefan Butzko, your host for this episode. And it's another twosome. Lars Polman here with me. Hello, Lars. How are you doing? Hello, Stefan. I'm a bit concerned that all my twosomes are with you these days, but <laughs> that's the way it goes, <laughs> well, I guess. That's not my fault, Lars. It's uh, more on you. <laughs> but um, yeah, we we have to talk about uh, Borussia Dortmund drawing against Leipzig and then facing the sister club in the Europa League. And uh, it was a 1-1 draw. Uh, Dortmund dropped back to third place in the Bundesliga behind Schalke because uh, that's what you get when you cannot beat either Augsburg or Leipzig. That's uh, what you deserve then. Um, first things first, Lars, I have to announce two sponsors for this episode, which are Dustin Decalb and John Carafail, who pledged a couple of bucks on Patreon. So thank you guys for chipping in. And uh, I guess with that, we can directly move on to the football. Lars, um, do you think, I, I don't know if it was a good game or not, but do you think this was the best game under Peter Stuga so far? That's a bit tough to say for me. I would certainly say it was an entertaining game. Uh, overall, not necessarily a good game quality wise. I think it was the quintessential Bundesliga game these, uh, these days. Uh, both teams very good in the attacking transitions, but also leaving a lot of spaces, uh, especially on both wings. Uh, I think all four fullbacks didn't have great games, for example. So some of the trends, uh, Bundesliga observers have talked about the entire season were kind of magnified in this game. Uh, but, you know, for Dortmund, I guess under Stöger, it might have been the best game just because it was the best opponent in terms of uh, individual quality they faced outside of Bayern in the cup. Uh, I think if you look at Stöger's solid start for Dortmund in terms of, you know, points and results, he always have to take into account that he had only faced two uh, top half Bundesliga sides in Hoffenheim and Augsburg uh, until the weekend. So the, the, the there was a prevalent sense of uh, Dortmund not having actually done anything against a good opponent under Stöger, uh, also because of you know the lack of good opponents on their schedule. Uh, so it was an important test for them, and I think. They did better than I would have expected. I thought they were going to get uh, pummeled by Leipzig's pressing, uh, which didn't happen. I think Leipzig didn't have a great game on their own. So ultimately, was it was it a great game from Dortmund? No. Was it the best under Stöger? Perhaps. Was it good enough uh, to come in second? Time will tell. I think the the beauty or the horror of the Bundesliga this season is that nobody's really better than Dortmund in the fight for the Champions League, but Dortmund aren't really good. So 
uh, it's probably going to come down to you know some finer details in the weeks to come yeah i guess so but i i think it would already help if dortmund do not lose against direct competitors because then uh you know the the six point game quote unquote you know it doesn't completely swing the other way um if we want to you know have a if we want to have a positive takeaway i think we can say that um dortmund stabilized because you know i agree with you leipzig aren't completely 100% on top of their game however you know they're still a dangerous side and you could see that um you know they are a threat at any moment andre schuller certainly knows that uh, you know within three th seconds a lot can happen but um overall I would say it's very positive and maybe a little bit reassuring that Dortmund did not collapse after going behind after 29 minutes and, uh, you know, kept the game somewhat open and always within the winning chance. If I think back to the, you know, last stages under Peter Bosch, Dortmund were, let's say, psychologically so brittle that any sort of setback usually meant a complete, I don't know, lapse you know just a complete mental breakdown and uh you know this this is something we we did not see this time from Dortmund I thought they uh you know kept their heads up <laughs> as dumb as it sounds but uh that's a that's a positive they remained organized um yes Leipzig had chances but it wasn't like uh, they were carved open like every two minutes as it had been before this year so um overall I think we can applaud Stöger in that regard, that, uh, you know, he has made a difference. You know, Dortmund are not getting slaughtered. And as you said, uh, you, you expected Dortmund to get pummeled and uh, may as well go ahead. But I think we can just be a little bit more hopeful for the coming fixtures against like Frankfurt, Schalke, Bayern and, and whatnot that Dortmund maybe you know, have, have a better chance of, of getting a result. Yeah, that might be true, but you know, uh, there's been a lot of talk about Stöger's future and, and some people are making that argument that you just made that he made them more competitive in, in some ways. But I think that's really low hanging fruit comparing, uh, any Dortmund coach to the latter stages of Peter Bosch's tenure because the, the Dutchman quite obviously was a misunderstanding, as we would say in Germany. He just didn't work out. So that's not the standard we should hold, uh, you know, a Dortmund coach too, I think, for the quality in this side, the football Dortmund are playing under Stöger is absolutely abysmal. And I think it would be, you know, not, ex it would actually be the opposite of the, uh, the so-called statement of intent that's always so important in the British media, for example. I mean, extending Peter Stöger's contract on the on the basis of a few good results against middling opposition in the Bundesliga would be an admission of mediocrity in my opinion so until Dortmund either play much better than they have so far especially in the last few weeks under Stöger or they win you know the Europa League or something uh, I'm not going to give uh, him too much credit because what he's doing right now uh, you know playing fairly conservative transition football with the second most expensive side in Germany that's not very hard to do and actually he's not doing that great of a job if you look at for example expected goals uh, they should have lost games against Gladbach for example I think they should have I'm not entirely sure about Augsburg but probably weren't uh, great there either should have probably lost against Leipzig so 
it's not like Dortmund's results are all, uh, you know, a, a testament to Stöger's approach working very well. It's also down to opponents being, you know, kind of bad in some of these games, like Hamburg were, for example. Cologne were a bit dumb. Uh, Leipzig, as I said before, weren't on their greatest day. So uh, whatever accomplishment people are willing to attest to Stöger, I think there's a good counter-argument to be made that most of this is just down to superior quality in Dortmund's side that is too good to uh, for a coach to make it all go away, which kind of makes me chuckle when, when I remember back to Stöger's uh, initial press conference. I don't know if it was the first one, but he said something uh, according, uh, along the lines of, uh, even I am not going to be able to make this Dortmund side play boring football. Uh, so far, Peter, that's exactly what you've done. Yeah, that is very true. Dortmund overall do not really excite. And um, yeah, the, the the game against Augsburg raised a lot of concerns, I I, I think. And um, the, the the problem here is, you said it, transition football is, is great uh, when it works. It's very easy on the eye. But, um, you know, in, in, in Leipzig, Dortmund also just had the sort of opponent where they actually do get spaces and uh, if, if a different team like Augsburg sits deep Dortmund uh, need to find different solutions and that's where they tend to struggle which is also why you know I asked the initial question on behalf of many people whether it was the best game for Dortmund this season under Stöger because they looked far better but I think that has more to do with Dortmund actually finding the space on the field awarded uh, by Leipzig who um yeah, we're not always as effective in their pressing and especially their, uh, their, uh, left back side with the Lima and Zabitza wasn't, yeah, it was, it was pretty open. Let's put it this way. And, um, of course, Dortmund do have the individual quality to, um, create something from that, uh, especially with Royce and Batroy, uh, <laughs> and surely you will be able to create a lot of offside positions. I think it was eight in the end and, uh, Royce goal, uh, yeah, we can debate whether that was offside or not. Um, but um still i i think it's 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 a positive that deserves a mention that uh, dortmund are improved over peter bosch you know I, I don't i don't take anything for granted right now dortmund could just be as as poor as they've ever been uh, without any improvement but uh, they are not so um last I'm, I'm just trying to be a little bit hopeful to be honest yeah but, um, yeah good on you uh yeah thanks <laughs> i mean there there are obviously some positives to take away from not only the Leipzig game, but also the last few weeks. Uh, we've talked already about some individuals. I think uh, someone like Uma Toprak is quite clearly a much better player under Stöger than under Bosch. Um, Schürrle, even though I'm not going to rate him as highly as others are uh, at the moment, he's doing okay, which is more than you could say for most of his ten uh, time in Dortmund. I think Götze, even though he had one of his worst games of the season, I thought, against Leipzig, seems to uh, benefit from playing in a more advanced role in this 4-2-3-1. Uh, he's really back to being a number 10, being involved around the opponent's uh, penalty box, a bit more effective, uh, you know, setting up shots or taking on opportunities by himself and I think the big positive now from the Leipzig game was uh, Mahmoud Dahoud's performance which you know people have kind of been waiting for and I know that not everybody thought he was great uh, Matthias for example still 
not a fan of the hood i guess uh, going by his tweets which i i mean it's fair all things considered the hood has been somewhat disappointing this season but uh, if he can continue in the vein that he showed against leipzig where he was really aggressive but also creative kind of giving the team this uh, two-sided midfielder next to julian weiger that they've so desperately needed the entire season basically if he can keep that up i think some of the issues that have permeated between uh, bosch and stöger might be on their way to some sort of positive resolution for dortmund Yeah, Julian Weigel said it himself after the game that's uh, their biggest issues. And I, I think Stöger said it at the pre-match conference that they haven't really found the perfect central midfield yet. And or, or maybe he said it right before the game, I can't remember. And Julian Weigel said after the game that uh, basically their biggest issues were in in their possession play and their build-up play and uh, I, I think that actually looked a little bit improved. And uh, yes, it's I guess time to talk about Mahmoud Dahoud because... Um, It it was a very encouraging performance because um, Gonzalo Castro against Augsburg was really, really poor. And uh, Nuri Shine, we said more than enough uh, right now, is, is not in the shape to help, help Dortmund in the long term to really, you know, galvanize something on, on the field just because the physicality is lacking. So you more or less have to hope that the hood find something, pull something out of the back and uh, as a, you know, if we look at the attributes of all central midfielders, he, I think, is, is the best combination to team up with Julian Weigel. Uh, I don't know how you see it, but uh, given that he is a little bit more aggressive, you know, it's not just an attacking minded player, but also has, is, you know, some, some skills in, in the ball winning department. I think that's a great help. And obviously, as, as we've seen it, uh, when he, you know, set up the equalizer. He does have great ideas. And uh, against Gladbach, for example, where I played a little bit, he lacked execution. Um, but this time it it uh, came off and uh, it was a nice vertical ball and uh, Dortmund need that. They don't always get it from Julian Weigel. So um, I think he's a good addition. And uh, as you said, if he continues to play like that, um, yeah, Dortmund will actually have um, one big problem less. And I, I think the central midfield has been a major issue in the in the recent games. It certainly was in Gladbach and I think it also was against Augsburg. So um yeah, having an improved central midfield certainly helps. Uh, yeah, Captain Obvious here. But um the the big question is obviously consistency. Lars, I know you don't have your big crystal ball right next to you right now to look into it. However, um do you think that uh Dahoud is likely to, you know, take this performance and uh at least take some heart from it and con continue in that way? Or do you think that, it, you know, it encourages Stöger to play more often? Well, the second part, obviously, uh, I mean, Stöger is nothing but a pragmatic. So he's going to go with the hot hand, I would believe. Uh, I would be very surprised to see Gonzalo Castro reinstated in the starting lineup in the Europa League on Thursday, uh, especially seeing also as Dahoud seems to be Uh, a player who really needs confidence to stay, uh, to play well. But, you know, in terms of consistency, the, the best indicator for future performance is past performance. And Dahoud has not given the indication this season or really most of last season too for Gladbach, uh, that he's the kind of player you can count on to be the same 
uh, guy for, you know, two months, basically. So he's going to go through some ups and downs. He's still a young guy, 22 years of age, uh, making his first uh, career move, going from Gladbach to Dortmund, uh, having played under four different coaches in the last two seasons with Favre, Schubert, uh, five actually, Favre, Schubert, Hacking. No, it's not Favre in the last two years. It doesn't matter. A lot of coaches. Um both at Gladbach and Dortmund, then signing for Dortmund, believing to, he's going to get to play for Thomas Tuchel, who I think we all agree is probably the best coach he would have had so far in his career, tactically at least. Uh, then not really getting along uh, under Bosch, kind of in the middle under Stöger so far. That's a lot to take in. So th there are some mitigating factors to consider when assessing Dahoud's performance this season. But You know, at the end of the day, Dortmund are in dire need of some results, uh, both in Europe and in the Bundesliga, with uh, a very difficult uh, schedule coming up in the Bundesliga. They still face, uh, after Leipzig, the rest of the top six, uh, and only Frankfurt and Leverkusen are going to come to Dortmund. So, uh, there, yeah, it's and not, it's both not, these sides are, are very strong away from home. Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 and both our teams Dortmund will struggle with. And uh, I mean, I've said from the beginning of the season that Dortmund will come in fifth, and I still feel pretty good about that prediction. But the point I was trying to make is uh, is that it's not a time where someone uh, like Dahoud can be given an extended run of games unless he performs well. Uh, there's no... There's no opportunity to build someone up slowly through 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 playing time, uh, as it might be the case, uh, you know, early in the season, September or so. So, uh, if he's if he wants to play a lot of uh, minutes for this team, he's going to have to play well and probably play better than he did at Leipzig, because quite frankly, he was good, but he wasn't great. Uh, I don't think anybody was great in that game. <laughs> I was going to say that's exactly what you can say about almost everyone in, in this game. How did you see Manuel Akanji? Of course, um, uh, rating-wise, he will not perform really well because of that atrocious pass in the first half that uh, almost cost Dortmund a goal. But Timo Werner uh, put the ball to centrally at Roman Burki. And I apologize if you hear any barking in the background, but uh, it's, uh, sadly, <laughs> can't do anything about that right now. Um, but I thought, you know, after, you know, it, it took him a while to shake, to shake it off, this weird pass. But after a while, I thought, uh, as the game went on, he became stronger and stronger, uh, especially next to Toprak, who I thought, again, had a very good performance. Uh, to me, Dortmund's best player right now, at least most consistent, um, next to Marco Reus. So do you think that we will see the Toprak Akanji partnership? Um, more often now in the Bundesliga, or do you think that Stuttgart will once again rotate and rotate and rotate? Yeah, I could see them uh, keeping this rotation up. Uh, Toprak has had to deal with some injuries throughout his career. I don't think he's been, you know, a 34 matches in the Bundesliga season kind of player for Leverkusen. So getting him a breather every now and then is important. But I do feel like uh, if they are looking at things realistically, then most people will have to agree that the partnership between Akanji and Toprak uh, is a more hopeful one for good football from Dortmund, even though Socrates individually has largely been fine in the last few weeks defending pretty well. Uh, but that's also something that Akanji has done. Uh, I thought too that 
he wasn't a bit of a funk after his misplaced pass. I don't know if that was, uh, you know, a problem with the pitch or he was just not careful enough or whatever. Uh, looked weird. Doesn't really matter now. Uh, I, I, he recovered eventually and something he does really well is he uses his body extremely well, putting himself between opponent and goal. Uh, even when it's not, you know, centrally in the box. Uh, he's not going to give away cheap corners, for example, because he just will put his body in between and let the ball run out. That's something Socrates doesn't really know how to do, and he often uh, uses his arms to uh, keep the opponent away. And it feels to me like at some point this season he's going to get a penalty call against him because he's always using his arms in uh, in unnecessary situations. So overall... Uh, I, I mean, everybody who listens to this show regularly knows I'm a bit, a big fan of Ömer Toprak. I would agree that he's probably been Dortmund's best player under Stöger, uh, overall. And, you know, Akanji offers the most upside next to him without, uh, endangering the team with his lack of experience or whatever. I think, uh, coming in to a new team in the winter, he's done well so far. With that one mistake, uh, which I guess we can just uh, brush over. Yeah, certainly. But, uh, you know, it's, of course, he's cost quite a bit of money. So you would expect something of him. But, um, you know, price tag or not, in in, in the end, uh, the player still needs to perform. It's not always the case. So, um, But I, I think that uh, Akanji's uh, awareness is uh, much better than Socrates. To be honest, um, he, I think he reads the game a little bit better and that, uh, saves him from having the spectacular sort of defending that Socrates sometimes shows, which, uh, obviously looks great, but isn't always, uh, effective because, uh, if, if you win the ball with a sliding tackle, the, uh, chance that the play will continue isn't all that great or with a clearance. So, um, that was that was okay. Although in, in this game, I think Dortmund had like thirty clearances, so a lot of clearances, <laughs> especially Akanji and, and Pischek, I think, with the culprits both had six or so. Um, but yeah, nevertheless, I I think that's that's a positive, and uh, we can look ahead. Um, but yeah, do you want to talk about the uh, offside situation of Marco Reus, or should we just mention that uh, it's quite amazing to see him perform on the level that he is on again after such a long injury spell? Well, to me, it's not actually all that amazing. Um, first of all, he was offside by maybe an inch. So uh, I don't know exactly what the deal is with uh, the calculated lines uh, from the VAR office in Cologne, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, this is something that happens uh, all the time in leagues that don't have VAR and nobody's really... Uh, blaming the assistant referees. So to me, it's not a, not a real talking point, but coming to Royce's performances, uh, it's not amazing to me just because, uh, I think I said this before on this show, um, he's got so much experience coming back from injuries that you kind of expect him to be good at it by now. Um, he's always been able to come back, score quickly. Uh, he's now scored Dortmund's last three goals, uh, I think. Um, so I I actually wouldn't say that he was great against Leipzig, for example. He wasn't great against Augsburg, but he's just so important for the team's structure. 
uh, with the focus on counterattacking, he, in my opinion, is the best German counterattacker uh, there is. Maybe Leroy Sané nowadays, but you know he's he's got to prove it over a more lengthy period of time. Uh, but Royce is so good at it. Uh, he knows how to use spaces so well. He's uh, probably the boss, uh, the best shot taker in Dortmund's team. So he combines a lot of qualities that are really important, especially for a side that struggles to create from you know the the structure of their play if you want to call it that or you know from from building up plays from the back that's not something Dortmund are very good at at the moment so someone who can make stuff happen uh with a run or you know a flick on or whatever that's really really important so Royce is the kind of player that can help a team without having to play particularly well and that uh, has been on display the last few weeks so that's obviously important yeah yeah, it's definitely a good quality. Yeah, it's it's not like any Dortmund player really plays well for a uh, full 90 minutes. I mean, the, the team overall just has moments where they are better and where they are significantly worse. Um, what I found interesting in the, in the second half around the uh, 60th to 70th minute, uh, I think that's uh, also more or less the time where Dahoud um, basically dribbles or tanked himself uh, through like, what was it for? three or four Leipzig players and then, you know, flicked it back to Batshuayi where I'm still not sure whether he has to score or whether that was just unlucky. Um, but uh, either either way, I think um, it was interesting to see that there was a phase in the game where Dortmund were clearly superior, where they had a very good ball retention, um, Leipzig um, and, and a very good pressing. So basically what they managed to do is dominate Leipzig in a way... Dortmund used to dominate teams in great regularity in, in, in the past, especially under Thomas Tuchel, where they uh, yeah would exude counter pressure and uh, win the ball back or force it back, and then uh, you know keep it in their own ranks for time before they would build an attack. And this is something that we didn't quite see so often. And uh, I I don't know, but I, I thought last it was at least a little bit encouraging that they managed to keep possession. And um, I know Mario Götze wasn't all that great in, in the game, but uh, this superiority also changed as soon as he left the field and uh, Maximilian Philipp was int introduced. Do you think there's any correlation or do you think there was just Leipzig coming back from their breather and then putting the pressure on Dortmund? Yeah, I don't really know uh, what the effects of taking off Götze were in this game just because he wasn't a big factor in it but uh, obviously you change the structure of your team a bit when uh, Reus moves inside you've got Schürrle and Philipp on the wings two players who are very direct uh, which Reus also is but you still had uh, Götze as a balancing uh, element in the center so the structure of your play changes around a bit and I think there's uh, some element of Leipzig going for you know a late charge in the game it was a home game for them they had lost three games in a row uh, they brought on more athleticism with for example Josef Paulsen coming on uh, who's really good at laying off passes uh, playing with the uh, back to the goal and, and all that so uh Götze wasn't great in this game, but he even if he's not great, he's he's important. Just but just like Reus, uh, there are some qualities uh, in in the best kinds of players uh, that that shine through whatever 
whatever the rest of the performance is like. So that's, that's also why, uh, having those two healthy at the same time is probably the, the biggest reason why Dortmund's results are still good while their performances have not necessarily been. Yeah, very true. And uh, I guess uh, while we're talking about not so great performances and uh, lack of form, uh, I'm afraid we have to talk about Christian Pulisic because um, I thought a little bit it was a little bit odd that uh, Maximilian Philipp was subbed on after a very long injury ahead of him. And Pulisic only came on in the last three minutes, so effectively he played like six minutes if you want to include stoppage time. And even in those minutes, um, you know, maybe it was just a little bit unlucky, but I felt like every ball was just pinging away from him. You know, the uh, usual first touch that he has is just not there right now. And um, it's, 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 a, to, to me, it's a weird one. I mean, yes, he's 19, and yes, I guess those, uh, this sort of form is normal for a 19 year old, but, um, on the other hand, I don't know if, if there are deeper reasons for it or whether it's, it's just, whether it's just normal. So, um, especially looking at Andre Schöle already declining a little bit, at least in, in this game, he wasn't all that great. Uh, you know, the first goal we have to talk about Schöle there of, of course, how he lost the ball because he just didn't see Kater coming. Although he should have, because that's exactly the space of the pressing trap. And, um, you know, he caused a couple more very dangerous turnovers by just running into a wall because he was trying to force something with his athleticism when his legs were already gone. And you can see that he just takes way too long to pick out a pass sometimes. But, um, back to Pulisic. Um, Lars, do you think that's a greater concern for Dortmund right now that he is not in form? Or do you think, uh, this is something that won't take all too long and we will see Pulisic back in his or at his best within the next couple of weeks. What do you think? Well, seeing as he hasn't played a single good game in 2018 and it's now uh, early March, uh, hoping for him to turn it around uh, naturally within the next few games uh, is not something I'm going to do. So it is a Huge. Do, you, do you see any, sorry, do you see any reason for, for his trip and form? Do you think there's, uh, I don't know, Stuttgart fault for the way he's playing football? Or do you think it's just, uh, Pulisic, uh, you know, having a dip? I mean, he, when he gets to play, he usually gets to play on the right side where I think he actually is a little bit better than on the left. Yeah. And actually, uh, transition football is something he's very familiar with, uh, from the youth ranks, for example. And he's also a pretty direct player, even though he's, probably a better technician than uh, is, uh definitely sure maybe even Royce uh, in some ways he's got probably better close control than Royce I would say uh I it's a bit of a weird one I think uh, it might just be you know the age factor he's played a lot of international games also for the US a lot of uh, uh, air miles uh, and maybe this is kind of the, the Bundesliga version of the rookie wall finally hitting or him finally hitting that rookie wall because he's basically been playing at a pretty high level almost nonstop, uh, you know, in, in Bundesliga terms. So you, you do get some weeks off, but, uh, basically nonstop since uh, debuting in what was it? February of 2015 or something or 2016. No, when was it? Uh, so. Uh, it's not a, a huge concern that he suddenly lost his quality or whatever and he's going to be an important player. But right now, his lack of form, the 
injuries to Maxi Philipp, who's only come back now, uh, Yamolenko and Guerrero, which kind of gets forgotten all the time because he's not really been used much as a winger, but I think he's, he, he would get some minutes there if he was healthy right now. Uh, it, it forces uh, Stöger to play Schöle and Royce the entire time and m more or less the entire time. And, you know, you shouldn't play Schöle all the time because he's not very good. And you shouldn't play Royce all the time because it's uh, an injury risk waiting to happen. So, uh, Pulisic's lack of form might not be manifesting itself in results too much right now, but uh, there could be some trickle down effects that could be uh, of huge importance uh, later in the season. So, Uh, he should come back to some level of form uh, pretty soon or, you know, Dortmund need to get lucky with uh, injuries uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, Guerrero has been back in team training a bit, so maybe he's going to be an option in the next few games uh, and Philip obviously as well. Well, Jaden Sancho will definitely return. Um, that's, I think, a big plus uh, considering the way he played before he got injured in Cologne because the pitch was bad. And... Um, I mean, the the thing with Christian Pulisic is uh, it's something one easily forgets, but he actually played the third most minutes for Dortmund of all players, um, only behind Birki and Socrates right now. And um, that already tells you how much responsibility he had to carry throughout the entire campaign. So, you know, at 2,316 minutes and uh, 32 caps this year, um, that's that's what players usually play in a, in a season. And he's already at, at that moment. So I don't know. I, I think we can be a little bit more relaxed about that. Lars, how do you think uh, it will have an impact that the likes of Philip, Sancho, Guerrero, and eventually maybe also Kagawa will return for, for Sugar, who always complains about the fact that he does not have the, uh, players at his disposal, especially at attack to really rotate? Do you think this will make Dortmund eventually better or do you think it will harm them because, uh, you know, they need to build? automatism well uh having good players uh rarely harms a team i would say so uh Stöger, i i think he said something like uh not being a huge fan of rotation but he's also never coached a team with this kind of depth in some of these positions and you know Being Dortmund fans, people who listen to the show will know that uh, any kind of depth is very much short-lived at Dortmund. And uh, presumably, uh, as soon as uh, there are four or five options for one or two spots, uh, that problem, which really isn't a problem but a luxury, will sort itself out with new injuries. So for the, the two or three games where... You know, someone really, really good would probably not even make the 18-man squad in the attacking departments. Uh, yeah, I think that will help them. But uh, I think we've all learned not to expect too much out of Dortmund's health department, if you like. Yeah, it's uh, really sad that Shinji Kagawa's injured right now because I thought he was uh, one of Dortmund's best and most consistent players before his injury. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, almost... almost Tragic, I would say, because Kagawa, you know, we know he's a streaky player and for once it looked like he beat that and now he's injured. So, um, yeah, but, uh, still I'm very keen to see how Stuga, uh, puts him back into the team when he gets fit because I still think he will be a factor mm. very much down the line. Last, um, I guess then we can knock it on the head uh, for the Leipzig talk and go over to Red Bull Salzburg, uh, Dortmund's 
Europa League opponent on Thursday. And as with the Atalanta match, um, or matches rather, Dortmund will have the uh, first game at home. Um, now that uh, Dortmund have played the uh, big brother, um, do you think that the little sister will be much trouble? Because um, I've, I gotta say, I've seen only one game of them this season and I was thoroughly not impressed by the way they play. I mean, yes, they're in the top of the table in, in Austria and uh, by quite a margin also by about 10 points, I think. So they're easily the best team there, but uh, nevertheless, I'm, I'm not really impressed. They play, of course, transition football. And I think we have to, to expect the same as, as we did for the Leipzig game. Do you think this uh, is a better or worse opponent than Atalanta? Well, I'm not really qualified to answer that, but I'm going to take a stab at it anyway and say that I can't expect them or can't imagine them to be better than Atalanta uh, in terms of individual quality. Um, your one game beats my zero games of actual knowledge about Salzburg, but I'm going with uh, what I've read about like their coach, Marco Rose, who's actually a German Uh, he's supposedly at least more of a proponent of uh, possession football, actually. Uh, it, it seems from what I've read again, uh, that Salzburg aren't, you know, the, the prototypical Red Bull team, as in they're not only pressing, which I mean, it's, it's an exaggeration. Uh, Leipzig aren't only pressing under, uh, Hasenhüttl either. Um, but looking at their squad, That doesn't really strike me as the most talented team individually. Uh, they, they play with some players, uh, I know, like Reinhold Jabo, who was a big deal in the German youth national teams. He just didn't really cut it in the Bundesliga, uh, at Cologne, was a decent player for Karlsruhe, I want to say, in the second division and then moved uh, to Austria, and he's kind of a, a, a regular starter for them. So I think for, especially for, you know, our American listeners uh, or others from further away from Central Europe, uh, we have to kind of put in perspective that the Austrian league is, apart from Salzburg, probably more on par with the second division in Germany or England, for example. So uh, them topping the table there is not necessarily a sign that, uh, you know, Dortmund need to be super careful of them. Obviously, uh, they beat uh, Real Sociedad San Sebastian in the previous round in the Europa, in the Europa League. So uh, that's a sign of quality and they've made it this far, which, you know, is something that Dortmund uh, wouldn't have been able to say without uh, a lot of luck. Uh, both in the Champions League and in the Europa League. So uh, we as followers of Dortmund are not in a position to make any kind of assumptions about Dortmund's uh, chances in Europe this season. But on paper, uh, they shouldn't really have too much of an issue against this kind of opponent. But uh, then again, we, well, we, then said, again. <laughs> we, we said that uh, I think four times now in, in Europe alone this season. So... Uh, I, I think we just have to see on the pitch, you know, whether Dortmund can finally get up uh, from their asses in Europe, basically. Yeah, if if they have this weird 
let's say phase they had in the in the second half right after halftime in the first leg against Atalanta then uh, you know it will be tough against any opponent and uh, if Roman Bürki you know shows his European phase quote-unquote then you know it's always going to be tough yes um, I mean they they managed to beat Olympic Marseille 1-0 at home and uh, got the scoreless draw away from home which you know in, in the group stage which I would say isn't the worst result uh, Marseille is an okayish team, <laughs> certainly better on paper than Salzburg. Nevertheless, they would have won the direct comparison. Um, so um, they are capable of of a couple of things, but it's I don't know when I when I watched them, I I saw a team that yes they had some more possession, but it didn't really look like they similar to Dortmund actually. It didn't really look like they had too many ideas on how to create anything from it. And in that game, they were the favorites. And, um, you know, a lot of their goals, I think they scored four in this game. They sort of came over the wings with like just winning the ball from France and, and like just, just, just nothing where you say, aha, there's a clear concept. There's a clear plan. And, uh, this is how they play. But, you know, a lot of it was really based on coincidence and, uh, on their opponent making a lot of mistakes. Um, I don't know how it will look like when they play as the, uh, significant underdog, which they will in, in this game. But, um, I would assume that, um, Dortmund do not commit as many mistakes as, uh, Sturm Graz did in, in this game that I watched. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, I'm, I might have to eat my words, but I actually feel like this will be a very comfortable, Let's say three 0 win for Dortmund. I I don't know why, but I I just feel like it's it's going to be a comfortable one for once. I don't know why not. Lars, what's your prediction on this one? Uh, I'm I'm struggling just because on the one hand I would have to agree with the idea that Dortmund should have not really many issues in this game. On the other hand, I've seen too many Dortmund games this season to assume anything. Uh, there might be, uh, or playing at home might be a bit of an advantage this time, uh, or playing at home first, uh, just because Salzburg aren't really used to any kind of atmosphere playing in Austria. Uh, they are, I think their arena has like a capacity of 30,000 and on a very good day, that's going to be filled, uh, by a third roughly. I think their, their average attendance is like 8,500 or so this season. So, for them to to come to Dortmund first and to experience the yellow wall, which will be uh, emotionalized even further by Dortmund's uh, shrewd decision, in my opinion, to uh, say farewell to Mark Bartra before the game, uh, I think that might be an might be a factor in this one. Which I, usually I don't think uh, you know the atmosphere in Dortmund is a big issue for opponents, but Salzburg don't really don't really have that kind of experience in front of that kind of crowd. So if that's a factor, I I, I think Dortmund will win 2-0, but I, I I could really see, you know, any kind of result in this game, be it a draw or even a away win after another poor performance with uh, inexplicable individual mistakes. But, you know, for the sake of having a clear-cut prediction for people to point out that I'm completely wrong, I'm going with a 2-0 win for Dortmund. <laughs> yeah, after I had uh, two lucky correct predictions, I tanked with my 3-2 p- prediction in Leipzig. Nevertheless, um, yes, it's uh, going to be a very emotional moment when Mark Bartra gets his farewell. And um, 
I actually do believe that will spice up the ground, just as you said. I and I, I, I don't know. I just feel like this will be the sort of game where um, Dortmund um, try to be a little bit more forceful based on the uh, game they just had in, in Leipzig. I feel like that they want to back this one up now and uh, Salzburg will be the one suffering from it. I've, I could be horribly wrong, but I, I don't know. I just have a... The gut feeling tells me that... Uh, this tie will be over before Dortmund travel to Salzburg on the week after. And um, I don't know, so be it. So my clear-cut prediction remains a 3 nothing. Um Before we go, uh, one last tidbit. Um, Borussia Dortmund have said no once again to uh, doing a half-and-half half scarf. Uh, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of those sort of things either, but uh, they said uh, we are not going to print Salzburg's logo on it because that's... Uh, basically a brand logo and we are not doing this because unlike Leipzig who uh, would have not been conformed with the DFL rules they need to uh, yeah Salzburg have the Red Bull logo in their crests and with that Dortmund said no to the half and half scarf and uh, I don't know if there's much outrage but uh, Salzburg produced something black and yellow and white uh, red looking anyway I don't know how you feel about that but uh it kind of makes me shrug, uh, just as uh, the uh, not new story that uh, Dortmund denied Leipzig to play the club anthem before the game on Saturday, because Leipzig apparently have the uh, tradition, if you want to call it that, that they play the opponent's club hymn. But yeah, Dortmund said no to that without giving any reason. And I can hear, Lars, you are completely emotionally invested in this discussion as I am, so uh, let's just... No, no, I, I actually... Uh... I think uh, this is the kind of stuff about modern football that uh, makes me a more ardent follower of cycling, actually, because I could not, could 100% not care any less about club crests changing or uh, including sponsorship logos or half and half scarves. I mean, anybody who buys a half and half scarf is an idiot anyway. So. Let, to fifty percent at least. Yes. Let 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 him buy a half and half scarf with a Red Bull logo on it. He's going to look like even more of an idiot. Uh, I don't care. The I, I I would actually find it very funny if uh, the UEFA would have the uh, crazy opportunity of having to defend the, the existence of both Red Bull Leipzig and FC in air air quotation marks. Uh, FC Salzburg, which is their official name in Europe for whatever reason. Uh, it would be very funny to me and, and almost worth it, uh, that Dortmund would be, you know, eliminated from Europe this season just to see in the next round Salzburg versus uh, Leipzig and, and UEFA having to explain why that is okay, even though quite obviously that's, uh, two clubs being owned by the same company, which is not allowed actually. So that would be quite funny to me and as I said worth it that Dortmund would be eliminated but uh, almost sadly uh, I think we both agree that it's not very likely to happen well the cynic in me will say that even if this happens and Leipzig faced Salzburg in the EuroLeague it's going to be a complete non-event UEFA will say nothing and they will just play against each other Leipzig will prevail and that's the end of it and you will what you're gleefully looking forward to in prospect will never happen anyway uh, even if there are a couple of uh, questions i presume but um that's that's my two cents on that anyway Lars, um as uh, 
we will have a Frankfurt preview out later because, you know, we just don't know what will happen on Thursday. So I guess there will be a quick one out there on Friday. Uh, I will now say goodbye to you and the listeners. Thanks for coming on once again. How can people reach out to you on Twitter? Uh, they can follow me at Lars Polman and I've actually got stuff to uh, plug again after a few months if you speak German that is or I guess if you have a good translator app which is something more internet savvy people tell me is a thing that actually exists so if you got one of those apps that basically translate entire web pages for you in a way that makes them borderline readable and understandable then you can check out some of my stuff on Dortmund in particular on fußball.news or fußball.news as the translation I guess would be very well otherwise you can find uh, all the Yellow Wallpot content on yellowwallpot.com our Twitter channel is at yellowwallpot which is also our Facebook handle and if you want to purchase one of these six Makuroi Stadium Cups, please go ahead. And I urge you to actually just do it because uh, I feel like every um, Cups we had here for a longer time is uh, just of people that left because we had Dembele, Aubameyang, Tuchel and Batra. <laughs> just, so, just hold yeah. on to them for uh, a few years and then they're going to be collector's items and really valuable, Stefan. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's um, it is fine as plastic. I mean, sure, yeah. I'm I'm just gonna hoard stuff on the hope that it its value will rise to like five or six. Anyway, Lars, uh, thanks again for joining. You can find me at Stefan Butzko until later this week. Goodbye. <laughs>